0: So today I'm really excited to welcome Destiny Ward to uh, the podcast and thank you for joining me.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Well, I'm excited to get to talk to you. So let's start off, Destiny. How would you introduce yourself personally or professionally and what would people say about you?
1: Um, If I had to introduce myself... um... I mean, first off, I would always start out saying that I instruct Brazilian for 10th Planet, Austin, Texas. I run the kids and the women's program and assist in other adult classes. Um, I have done Jiu Jitsu for 12 years now. I've been teaching for at least eight of that. I, I would say that I'm like a jack of all trades. I have ADHD, so I have a lot of different interests I uh, I kind of dabble in a lot of things, but, um, jujitsu is probably the, um, one consistent
0: in my life. Okay. Well, that's a lot of years putting into something. So how did you get into this sport to start with?
1: Really? It was just by accident. I kind of fell into it. Um, I decided whenever I was in college that I was going to take a PE credit every single semester. So it forced me to go and work out because I gained the typical freshman 15. I was like, this, this just isn't for me. Um, and so I did that And my, uh, the end of my junior year. Um, I always watched the UFC fights and I went in raving about the Dan Hardy GSP fight. And my instructor was kind of like, Oh, well, if you have, Uh, like watching that have you ever tried doing MMA and I was like no not at all um and he goes well since the makeup classes don't work out with your schedule if I know this guy here in town that owns an MMA gym and if you want to go and have him sign off that you participated in x amount of classes I'll count that towards your credit so I went to that gym awesome I did not leave until I graduated high or graduated college (laughs) Um, and then whenever I started doing that, it kind of switched my perspective on what I wanted to do because um, I was going to college as an cultural major. Um, and I thought that's what I want to do. I kind of grew up doing that, always enjoyed it, always loved it. But I was getting burnt out um, and fitness really kind of just gave me something of my own to work with. It wasn't influenced by anybody else in my life. It wasn't something that was just brought to me. It was something i kind of stumbled into on my own um so i decided whenever i was graduating that i was um, gonna do my internship for a gym instead of the department of agriculture or anything like that and i i just kind of stuck with it like it it brought me a lot of happiness a lot of joy a lot of self-fulfillment um and it really gave me a way to kind of channel my emotions and the anger that I had from childhood traumas and stuff and just let me process that. Um, and it also gave me a way with jujitsu to just find my own interpersonal strength. And that, that really just influenced me. And it was something that I was drawn to and something that I didn't want to just dabble in. I wanted to eventually really pursue it. And the deeper I got, the the better it got.
0: Um, uh, Had you seen I, people use it like that before? Had you seen people or talk to people who were able to kind of bring out some of the conflict or some of the no,
1: issues that they were having? No, not at all. Like Literally, I just showed up just as a makeup class for college credit. And I just, I fell in love with it. So I did karate yeah. as a kid but it was completely different from jujitsu and MMA. So it really didn't help me out a whole lot. I just knew that I liked the physical aspect of it and the mental challenge of it. Um, When I moved down to Austin, I did my internship at a gym. Um, I started doing personal training and got certified in that. Um, And I just, I kept doing MMA and jujitsu. And then eventually I got asked to teach kids classes with the gym that I was training at. And it just kind of took off from there. Like I started helping to run the gym and run adult classes and kids classes. And I just, I didn't want to do anything else. Like it really just encompassed my entire soul and being. And it gives me the biggest sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. And I've always told myself that I would rather be broken, happy than rich and miserable. And I absolutely love the fact that I wake up and I want to go to work every day. Like I desire to do that. It's not it's not a job. It's a lifestyle for me.
0: So you've been in it as a student and then as an instructor. Is there a huge difference in having to think through um, whether you're a student or whether you're teaching it or does that process just complement one another? Um.
1: I mean, if you're an instructor, teaching it will also help you learn. Um, as a student, you learn it really from a perspective. You're just trying to master this for you. When you're an instructor, you have to be able to notice the slight details, pressure changes, weight shifts, movements that aren't as ideal as doing it as something else. And it can be very, very minor and barely noticeable, but I'm very detail oriented with my jujitsu and uh, the techniques that I teach. Um, so really teaching, I feel like has made me even better than just being
0: a student. A lot of times teaching, you have to kind of process it yourself to make it come back out in the, not just in your head, but in your words, or in this case, in your movements.
1: Know it well enough to be able to basically look at it backwards as somebody else is doing it and to be able to understand what they're doing right and wrong.
0: Is there a certain way that you can know immediately as somebody's going into a move that it's not going to work? Is there like something like where some uh, a hand crosses or a position? Is there something uh, always, that you pretty much there, always know?
1: There's all kinds of things that you can notice that it's like, okay, that's right, but it's not great. Like it, it could be something as simple as moving your hand half an inch up or down. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is very, very detail oriented. And a lot of people don't understand that aspect of it until they've been in it for a couple of years um, they kind of get the big picture of the techniques, but then as they progress over time, they start noticing how these little bitty details and things, uh, really, really just make the move even better and makes it more fluid.
0: Yeah. So what's your favorite or what you might be known for, um, move that you do to go for a win? Arm bars. <laughs>
1: I I, I love arm bars and um, reverse triangles. Those are probably my two just absolute go-tos. Probably number three would be bicep slicers. I do those pretty consistently every time that I train.
0: So why? What makes one move more drawing to you than another?
1: It really just depends person to person. Um, And it also depends on your body type and your style of jujitsu. Some people might play a very heavy top pressure game while people like me who are smaller, um, I had to learn how to fight off my back. Um it was hard for me, especially in the beginning, to um really master being dominant on top. That that took a lot more um time and effort. Um but fighting off my back, it was just like that was where I was getting put. And that's what I had to learn to work with. It was the hand that I was dealt. Um and that's why I always even try and teach just like the little person perspective of jujitsu because a lot of people are A lot bigger than me. (laughs) So um, they're going to have like this different style, this different mindset of how they want to attack. And they're kind of astounded that though they're bigger and stronger, I'm still able to have the advantage.
0: (laughs) Catches them by surprise. Yes. Yes. Very much. As far as jujitsu, I mean, a lot of people I talk to, they talk about how it just infiltrates every part of their lives. Yeah. And do you find that to be true? And how does it benefit you outside off the mat?
1: Um, really, I, I very much do agree with that. It, um, for people that Jiu Jitsu clicks with and they end up sticking with it, um, it, it really becomes like a full-on lifestyle. Um, you become friends with the people in those gyms. You end up like hanging out with those people outside of the gym. Um, and really with those people that you end up training with, it gives you a different perspective on them because of that close contact, that personal space that they're invading and that level, they're able to push your limits to, and that trust that you develop because you allow them to push you to your limit and you push them to their limit. It's this, oh, it, it's this beautiful trust aspect and just this deep bond that you're able to build with people, Um there's some guys that I've trained with for eight plus years and they've seen me come up, um, from a white belt and onward. And they've seen me over the years, they've seen me struggle. They've seen me happy. And it's just this very deep bond and connection that we end up developing because of that. Um, you'll end up going and watching fights together. You'll support your teammates if they want to do professional like your jiu-jitsu matches, um, even amateur ones, um, but it's it's just like this very large extended family that you end up creating. And it it's just this beautiful thing that penetrates your life. It's not one of those things that ends up being like toxic.
0: I think people are really looking for that. yes, and across the spectrum and especially in the last few years. Mm-hmm. You mentioned from White belt on is is belt a factor in how you feel your position on the mat or how you, perceive yourself within the sport
1: i I do believe that there's a certain way that others will view you um depending on rank and how you will also view yourself um if there's one thing that i always tell people you couldn't pay me enough money to go back in time and redo it's that first two years of being a white belt that's the hardest you just basically you show up and you just take an ass beating every single day but that's how you learn it make you better um and that's true for even guys that are giant power lifters. They show up, they're a white belt, and yet this little 120-pound purple belt female comes along and just eats their lunch. So um, it, it's, it's very satisfying um, to be a smaller girl and be able to understand as you progress through jiu-jitsu that your own personal strengths and confidences are going to expand um, you're going to be a lot more self-assured. Um, I live downtown in Austin and I walk around by myself and I have little to no fear um, of being oh, wow. a or anything because I trust my own abilities. Um, and I spent so many time not training with uh, any other females. i trained with very large males in the gym because when I started, that's really all I had available to me. There weren't very many girls um, when I started t- um, 12 years ago. Um, and so that training with them, it helps to build your confidence because if what you're doing can work on them, it's going to work on anybody else. Um, when, or a white and blue belt, um, people, the ones that are higher rank, the purple belts and above though they, they, uh, they help you, they teach you, but also they kind of, um, in a way some you at arm's distance because a lot of people there's this ongoing joke in the jiu-jitsu community that um most people retire at a blue belt and that's just the, the that's the first belt you get beyond white. so it's like they accomplish that and then it's like oh okay i'm done <laughs> um but then it's also like as you keep progressing purple belt brown belt black belt there is a level of respect because it's an art that you have studied for many, many years. It's not something where you train for two, three years and you're a black belt. It's something where you have to train for 10 plus years to achieve that level. So there's there's definitely with the higher ranks, you do them with a lot more respect, a lot more knowledge. They're the professors. They're the teachers. They know all of these things. They've been there. They've done that. They fucked it up 100 times and they've learned lo- those lessons. As a white and a blue belt, you um, you are still having to learn that. You're still un- trying to understand how to connect the mind and body All of those intricate pieces that is jujitsu, it's like trying to put a puzzle together in the dark and not really even knowing what the big picture is supposed to look like. Um, So it's definitely a struggle as a white and a blue belt, but you not only struggle with the material, but it also teaches you to struggle with yourself and your own weaknesses and your own vulnerabilities um, I remember being a white belt and I had to struggle a lot with how I felt very powerless and not knowing what to do or when to do it or in the moment I wouldn't remember how to do it after they had showed me. Um, But then like you just you keep coming back and you keep struggling through that because you see those other people that have learned it. And the good thing about jujitsu is that that high rank black belt that's in there on the mats years ago, there was a day where he didn't know Jack crap and he was in your shoes. And there's, there's a kind of just a mutual level of respect for all players because we've all been there. We all understand that struggle coming up and the time, the dedication and consistency that it takes to
0: get a high level rank. It's an individual sport, but it's also team. And then you've all come, had to come through the ranks to get to the position to be an instructor or be the black belt or, or it's a t-
1: when When you talk about like the com- camaraderie and how each other pushes each other to be better, but it's actually a very individualized sport because when it boils down to it, only you are going to make yourself better. That nobody else is going to be able to pull your weight. Like if you're playing like a true team sport, like football, baseball, something like that, like the collective group effort will show through a little bit more than one individual person um, mm-hmm. where it's all on you. It really is. It, it all boils down to how consistently you train, how much you pay attention, how you're trying to work the moves and stuff and how you're trying to learn it. It's, it's very much just all you.
0: What about the injuries that you incur along the way? I mean, that that can change your game of what you have to do or how you have to move. So yes, how has that impacted you?
1: Um, so I have had multiple knee injuries, um, some of them a lot worse than others. Um, when I was younger, that was when it was minor injuries. Like after six weeks, I would be totally fine and back to normal versus whenever I really wrecked my LCL about four years ago, it took about a solid two years for me to get to where I felt kind of normal and able to play my game. But then there's even times now where I'm like, oh, I, I can't move that way anymore. Like that's too much pressure on that joint. Um, so whenever you do get injured and you're able to keep rolling, you have to adjust, you have to change up your game because some techniques may not work for you anymore. Like I don't have quite the strength and the dexterity in my knees to play a really strong butterfly game anymore. Um, whenever I have to do things, I have to set it up off of my left leg versus my right leg. My right leg has to be be used for more like um, holding and isometric type stuff versus those very fast, powerful plyometric movements. Um, And the flexibility in my right leg is not what it is in my left. So a lot of my dexterity has to be set up off my left leg. Um, That that makes you change things to where things I used to do on my right side, I now have to do on my left side. So I have to learn the reverse mirror image of that move. And then I have to come up with something else that I can do with my right side. Wow, that can be complicated. It, it, it is very complicated, but it also, it, once again, it comes down to the individuality of the sport. Like you have to recreate your own game multiple times through before you're even finished perfecting one version of your game sometimes. And that's just how injuries are happen. Um And it's not that we go in there purposely trying to hurt each other. It's just, it's just how it is. Um, it's not, if you get hurt in jujitsu, it's when and how bad.
0: Wow. Well, and I know you're not going in there to hurt each other, but there's a responsibility, isn't there, for uh, one to tap and stop? with,
1: With somebody, my partner has a responsibility on their part to not just throw a submission in as hard and as fast as they can. But there's also a very large responsibility on my part to understand and know my limitations and to be able to tap early and not have that affect my ego to know that like, that's, that's my limitation. That's as far as I'm willing to take this right now, because I want to come back and roll again tomorrow. Um, I can't be in there, just be like, Oh, I'm not going to tap. I got to win everything, everything. And that that's just not the mentality that I'm capable of having um, because I know I have limitations. Um, I do see some people that do train that way where they just go all out all the time and they do end up getting hurt. Um, some of them are still very good jujitsu players. I mean, they're amazing, but they still end up having injuries that take them out. And some of them, I believe that those injuries are
0: unnecessary. Well, that brings me to two questions. One, um, when you're on the mat every day, um, are you going as hard as you can every time, or do you have a specific purpose each time you go on the mat? And then you can take it up to the notch that it needs to in competition, or do you have to go hard?
1: That's really going to vary person to person, depending on what they're trying to do. Like um, I show up and I'm there to roll. I'm there to learn. I'm there to give my best to my partner that I can, but am I there to go 100% all the time? Absolutely not. Um, Now there are some uh, people that I train with that are active competitors and they're very, very good, but even, Even then they know that they have those limits. Some days they show up and it's like, all right, it's time to throw down. And then there's other days where it's like, okay, I need to go a little bit slower. It's closer to a competition. Like maybe it's the next day or a couple of days after. And it's like, I don't want to get hurt right before I compete. So they'll kind of flow a little bit easier. Um, And then there's times where it's like, all right, let's, let's go. And Usually partners that are have been on the mat for a while, they'll be able to kind of communicate that to who they're training with. And you can also feel the energy somebody is putting on, out, um, whether or not they're going to kind of flow or if they're going to step it up. And a lot of times uh, if you feel somebody stepping it up, if you want to step it up, too, you can match their energy and you can go as hard or as soft as you're wanting to. And good training partners will match that energy even if we're rolling and trading partners every single round, each person they go with is going to have a different level of intensity. So one round, mm-hmm. might let's go. One round might be, let's just kind of flow. Um, and that's where a good training partner is going to understand that communication there. And also if they need to be going hard for whatever reason, then they're going to find those people that can and will go hard with them.
0: Yeah. You probably have your favorites that you, roll with on a consistent basis
1: oh yeah yeah you, you'll definitely have favorites um th- there'll be some that uh you have favorites with that are just because they absolutely demolish you and it's a learning experience every single time um and then that you've just trained with for years and years and you'll know each other's game and so it's like this really fun game of physical chess like who's going to have that advantage, that upper hand, because, you know, all their moves and you know how they pull, like to pull them off. And so sometimes you're just very aware of it and it, it, you don't make it work out for them. But then there's also other times that they manage to catch you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I mean, I guess that's what keeps it exciting. It, mm-hmm. No two roles are the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, basically what's coming, but. But it um, they're always extenuating factors. Yes. Um, you also mentioned ego. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that. How do you handle? Um, I mean You got to have a certain amount of confidence that plays into ego to even do what you're doing. But but how do you keep ego in check or or do you or do you see people doing that? Is it um, a topic?
1: It, it's not necessarily a talked about topic, but um, usually people that are lower ranks, they're going to have higher egos. Um, They're going to get a little bit more butthurt, a little bit more frustrated about stuff. Um, The higher ranks, especially the black belts that have been in there 10 plus years, most of them, they don't necessarily have what I call ego. They have confidence in their abilities, but they've been around the game long enough. They are also very humble with their knowledge and their their power like like in Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. And they take that responsibility very seriously, nine times out of 10. Um, I mean, of course, every now and then you're going to have like a bad apple in the bunch, but majority of the black belts that I know and that I've interacted with um, they're, they're very humble um, because they came up for years, just getting their butt kicked also. So they know the flip side of that coin. Um, And they, a lot of them they enjoy being able to teach and show people the the better ways to improve their game and their jujitsu. Um, they also understand how to take a loss and to take a win and be very sportsman about it because it, it's anybody's game on any day. So like I, I could go in there and absolutely wreck shop on one dude today and then turn around tomorrow and it's vice versa. So mm-hmm. You have you can't you can't lead in jujitsu with your ego because you're going to get checked very quickly, very very quickly, and it's it's going to, you're you're going to be forcefully humbled.
0: So. <laughs> well, that's probably a good thing. That probably makes it even more enjoyable. You can go ahead and put somebody in their place and move on, and then both grow from it. Yeah. So there's quite a growth experience to to this sport. Um, so do you feel sometimes as a female in the sport that you have a disadvantage or is there an advantage? And I mean, there's a lot fewer of you doing it. So how does that play into your game? <sighs>
1: um, I mean, it's, it's a give and a take. I mean, like I said before, like when I first started, I came up through gyms that I was really one of maybe three females that came in there and trained consistently. Um, those numbers have definitely risen over the past decade. And I'm very happy to see that happening. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of difficult in a way because you have some of the guys that will train with you all the time and they make you better and they teach you these little details and then you have the guys that are a little standoffish. They don't know how to roll with women. They feel awkward rolling with women. Um, or they're, they're just flat out assholes. And they just like roll like super strong, super hard. And I'm like, one, I'm trying to learn something right now. So you don't need to come at me with that intensity. But also come on and bring it, bro, because I'm going to fuck your world up. Um, And... Uh, uh, whenever I was a, a lower rank belt and I was still learning, there would occasionally be these guys that come in and they just go all out with the girls for some reason. And it's like, they're trying to prove some macho masculine point, this very toxic masculine kind of vibe, but there's always going to be those guys that are on the mat also um, kind of call them mad enforcers. Um, and so they'll mm. do that. And then they'll be like, okay, bro, come here and have a dose of your own medicine. And it's a very much kind of a give and take relationship. Like you have the guys that are going to just lay the world at your feet jujitsu wise and just help really create your game and bring you up and encourage you. And then you're also going to have these guys that really don't want anything to do with you. Um. So it, it, it that's kind of a complicated question. It, it has its benefits, um, but it also definitely does have its kind of cons also. Um, I think one of the biggest cons is that there's some women that do come in wanting to actually learn and um, participate in jujitsu and learn the sport, but they get kind of demoralized a little bit because one, there's not a whole lot of other females that are there to train with, and they don't feel comfortable training with the men. Um, And there's also men that don't feel comfortable training with the women, but In my women's classes that I teach, I always tell my ladies, don't be afraid to train with the big dudes because that's actually going to be the reality of a self-defense situation. Um, Training with the girls, yeah, like it's great. I build relationships with them. They're similar in size. So we get to learn how to do the techniques with somebody our own size. But if you're looking at it from a self-defense standpoint, training with the men is going to be the reality. And if you can build your confidence up enough to know that your techniques work against them, it's going to work against anybody. And that's one thing that has been a major factor in my amount of confidence that I have in myself.
0: So, Yeah. um, So in talking about self-defense, is that something that you feel pretty strongly about, that this is a very good way of self-defense?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Very much so. Very much so. Um, because jujitsu isn't just groundwork. It, it's takedowns, it's throws. There's a lot of um, Gracie Jiu Jitsu that's based in women's self-defense. Um, Jiu is taught to um, law enforcement variations um, are taught to military. I mean, it, it's definitely ties into self-defense. So, yes, for ladies, I, I highly encourage them to do jujitsu for
0: a self-defense standpoint. Yeah. So in your teaching the ladies class, what what are some of the biggest challenges that you see um, or a success story that you kind of have have been through with somebody that really impacted you as an instructor?
1: With the ladies, it's really getting to see the ones that stick with it and get to see how their own confidence and self-esteem grows throughout the years um, and seeing how their own lives and opinions of themselves improve. Um, I think that on honestly, I, I get more fulfillment um, teaching the kids because I feel like I inspire them a little bit more. I've also done it for longer, too. So. Um, I've kind of had the opportunity of seeing some of the kids start out super young, um, like just, just last month, there was a tournament I took a couple of my um, kids to to compete at, and a lady walks up to me and is like, oh my God, Destiny, hi, how have you been? And I'm like, remind me who you are, like you look familiar, but I think it's been a bit And she was like, oh, we used to train uh, over at the other gym that used to work at and used to teach my daughter. Uh, I remember teaching her daughter when she was like five, maybe six. She was little bitty. Um, And then now she's almost as tall as I am. And her mom... uh, They're telling me how uh, she's never how her daughter has never forgot about me, how she still talks about me, wonders how I am. And that her daughter for the last several years has just said that she wants to also go and be a jujitsu coach and teach out of Denver. And I'm just like, wow, like somebody wants to emulate me to to like, I remember growing up and it's like, oh, who do you want to be like? And now somebody is saying they want to be like me. And that, that makes me feel very good. It's like, maybe I'm doing something worthwhile and that's worth doing in this world. Um, if I can have an impact on one out of 10 students that I teach, then hopefully that's a positive impact and they'll remember those lessons that they learned throughout the rest of their lives. Um, I still remember my karate instructor as a kid and I think about him every now and then. and um, I, I never thought that I would actually end up teaching a martial art, but now it's kind of like, you know what? He, he actually did really inspire me. Like I very much looked up to him. So it, it's a good feeling yeah. to feel that same thing. Um, and then really just being able to see like grown women come in that are um, very fearful um, that have maybe gone through, um, uh, some type of an assault There's some form of a, uh, traumatic incidents. And then they start training jujitsu and just to see that confidence grow and that light come back in their eyes. It's, it's very rewarding.
0: I can imagine. So in competition, what kind of competitions are you a part of? And, and what do you find yourself setting the goals for in competition? Uh,
1: I haven't competed in a few years due to knee injuries. Um, I just don't feel like I, they could hold up to competition yeah. level. I mean, the girls that compete regularly—they are amazingly strong and tough. Um, I think my—I believe that my technique is good enough to hold up to it, but just the physical limitations of my body right now—I um, I have to admit that. As much as I don't want to, I do be like, "Yeah, I'm a badass. I can take on anybody." But it's like. No, no, you're getting a little old, honey. Like step back, step back, and step. Back. <laughs> I did multiple um, jujitsu tournaments, um, like nagas, um, IBJJF things, things like that. Um, when I first started, um, I also did. I did one boxing tournament just to see if I liked getting hit in the face before I did a cage fight. Um, I had four amateur cage fights, and I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. Um, But then also like my attention started shifting from competing into instructing. And as much as I loved competing, I really enjoyed instructing a whole lot more. Um, I I liked teaching the kids. I liked running the adult classes and I liked how the teaching aspect of it really made me kind of just understand the material a lot better and a lot more in depth. Um, And then also, like I kind of started running into like injuries and things like that, that just put my competition training off. And it's just it was just one of those things like I felt like the universe was pushing me into an instructor path versus a competitor path. And um, I, I really enjoy that because I've got to work with multiple women who are very high level competitors and um, I, I'm I'm very happy watching them take what I'm able
0: to offer them and be a
1: success story for themselves.
0: Yeah. But having been there, that gives you the understanding of yeah, I guess what I it's like competition too.
1: And where where they're coming from and what they're kind they're trying to accomplish. Um, and then I also understand the side of it of how they need to accomplish that.
0: Mm-hmm. So um cage fighting. Um my son has done that, mm-hmm. but my daughter has not um ventured into that. So was that a big jump for you to, to want to go into the cage? And and I mean the women fighters in the cage are really tough. I mean, we can oh. stand there and watch the the women fighting, they they were the guys were tough the girls were nasty sometimes you know
1: because the women we have more to prove still like i mean there was a, a time when even dana white was just like women aren't gonna fight in the ufc and then i mean then comes ronda rousey and holly holmes and all of that and they just really paved the way for everybody in the cage fighting um but um uh even before that, like Gina Carano and Cyborg, like they were, they were just like the rarities, but now I'm so happy that it's more of a, um, a commonality, um, something that people aren't fighting against. They're very much, um, uplifting the female fighters now and giving them the time, attention and respect that they do deserve.
0: I mean, it took somebody to blaze the trail, but it is as respectful as the, the guys. I mean, It takes the same kind of
1: athlete. It it definitely does. It definitely takes same type of athlete and very much the same type of training and everything. Um, Really. We're, we're just smaller. (laughs) I mean, and Mm -hmm. still have stuff to prove. It does make us a little bit more vicious, a little bit more aggressive. And we're, we're entering that cage. We're not looking to necessarily play a long run game. We're looking to go in there and find victory. So Mm -hmm. it it kind of, it, you can definitely see the difference when you watch the fights. Um, but it, any woman that is interested in doing a cage fight, I always push her towards it. Like, go for it, have at it. There's nothing like it. Um, that I've done skydiving before, and the adrenaline is nothing compared to the cage fight. And the <laughs> that action that you have with yourself, win or lose, is just like I did that and now I am a part of a very small percentage of the population that can say that they have gone and done that. And it was probably something that I never really thought that I could or even would do at one point in my life. And now I've done it and I loved it and I lived and now I get to. So you do it again? Oh yes. Oh yes. If if, like my knees could hold up to it, I I would definitely do it again
0: for sure. Well, when you hear the word unfair, what kind of crosses your mind?
1: Gender inequalities.
0: <laughs> so,
1: Well, we're just gonna, and you're we're gonna mess with that. That's exactly what pops to mind, though. So, yeah. But then it would take us down a whole nother rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, but in a way, I mean, you in your own way are fighting that just with what you do every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Uh uh, I I do see a lot of um, adults come in and sign up for classes. And uh, occasionally I I will be, um, I'm asked to cover some of the other adult classes because we're fully staffed. So we have plenty of instructors, but Um, sometimes whenever I do step onto the mat and I'm like, all right, guys, let's let's do this technique. I, I do feel the looks from some occasional people that's like, why is she leading this, this technique is not going to work for me. I'm like a 250 pound dude and this isn't happening. But then as they start to listen and actually try and they learn, I can see that light bulb switch a little bit. But um, I'm all—I'm definitely met with a lot more um, leeriness and judgment um, versus one of my male counterparts who's the same rank as me. So I definitely
0: Do you take the, that as a challenge.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. It, it just makes me want to step up that much. and be like, you know what? Fuck you, bro. I know what's up. I've been there. I've done that. So shut up,
0: sit down and listen to me. So I catch a lot of strength in that. (laughs) So, but, uh, but I mean, that goes back to the ego. I mean, their, their egos get in the way and you, you kind of have to squelch it down. Yeah. Um, exactly. Sometimes, I mean, I will feel that trigger my own ego, but
1: then it's also like, I just have to step back away from that and be like, no, that's, that's your ego talking, destiny. Let's let's play this very fair and evenly, and they'll they'll either come around or they won't. So, but yeah, of course, yeah. like my is like yes,
0: challenge. I accept it. I'll do this. <laughs> so, uh, kind of on the same line, but maybe not. Are there any boulders in your pathway that you just keep slamming up against? Whether it be in the gym, out of the gym, just things that keep coming back in life that that you just because you seem so much in charge and going forward and i mean does anything knock you off i have a
1: um a very deep seated um and really like uh what's the word i'm looking for irrational um fear fear of failure Um, a lot of the time I can come up with very good ideas, very creative. I can plan it out. I can do all of that. But then whenever it comes to, um, putting initiative and execution into it, that's where I falter. And it's usually because I have this voice in the back of my head being like, that's not going to work. Nobody's going to go for that. That's stupid. There's so many people out there that's going to do it better than you. Like, no, it's not going to work. Um, so that, that's really one of my biggest hangups. Um, and then also like along with that failure is, um, uh, like a fear of not being able to, uh, financially provide for myself because, uh, growing up, I always just watched my family work the exact same jobs. They never like advanced their career and leveled up. And that's why I have like, I never had like that example of, uh, like climbing the ladder and stuff like that. Um, it was always like you just work your hands to the bone until the day you die. And you're only as valuable as the labor you're a- able to give somebody. Um, so that's a mindset that I've actually had to kind of work out of. And probably one of the reasons why I've always told myself I'd rather be broke and happy than rich and miserable, because it's like I've always seen people working their butts off for money and not, you um, not being paid what they're worth and not valued and they just stick with it. And that's the way that they think that life is supposed to be. And I'm like, I don't want to live my life as an indentured servant. So um, I would rather um, create my own destiny and be my own boss and work for people or a, uh, a company that I really support. And I feel like supports me also. So that, that's one reason why I stick with jujitsu because a lot of the gyms are privately owned by people with small businesses and they're just trying to create their own dreams. And um, a lot of the times you can tell um, that they're also trying to help the people that work for them achieve their own dreams and goals. And they're very supportive of things like that. Um, and that's one of the biggest why I stuck with 10th Planet here in Austin the way that I have because I've I've been here for four years with them and I've been able to really see them like help support their other coaches, their other training staff, things like that. And you got to see them grow and expand and open up um, new locations in the Austin area. And then whenever I have stepped up and been like, Hey guys, like I, I need y'all's help. They have stepped up and leveled up and met me with the requirements that I needed at that time. And just been a very big help and support. So it's like, I would rather work for somebody like that.
0: Did you think you'd be where you are now doing what you're doing? Oh, Lord, no. When you were, come, so we talked about you making the change in your, your Uh education, but. My life definitely took a very sharp left turn and
1: diverged from everything that I thought was going to happen and what I was going to be. And honestly, like, I don't, I don't regret it. Um. I mean, I went to college to become a high school ag teacher, to teach agriculture, do FFA, stuff like that. I grew up doing that. I absolutely love it. I love animals um, and still do. But um, it was something that was really difficult to get a lot of people like inspired by and to listen to and things like that. Um, And then like teaching, like teachers are so mistreated in this country, like very deep Um, Very, very devalued. Um, And then whenever I was supposed right before I was supposed to um, graduate about a year before um, the state of Texas made a lot of budget cuts in the education department and I saw teachers just getting laid off left and right. Um, So that really took away a lot of job security that I felt that I had um, just coming out of college and I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm not going to be able to be secure doing this, I might as well be insecure doing something that I really enjoy. (laughs) I'm not already feeling burnt out on. So, um, I, I made the switch because what was giving me the most dopamine at the time was working out and fitness. And, um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to help people, um, change their lifestyles. Like it had helped me change mine. And, the fitness industry just kind of morphed into jujitsu. So like I, it just brought a lot of joy to my life. And um it was something that was uniquely mine, like I said before, and something that I came into all on my own. It wasn't influenced by anyone that
0: was personally in my life. Yeah. yeah so you totally own it. Well, what keeps you grounded? I mean, do you, is there a routine or um, just what is it that you go back to? I mean, I know jujitsu as a whole, but something specific that keeps you grounded. Grounded in what way? Grounded in how you live your life and in your stands that you take. And just just when you feel like the world's out of control, what what do you pull yourself back to and how?
1: Nature has always done it for me. I love going hiking and camping and just kind of being out there, turning my phone off and stuff and um, just kind of connecting with the natural world. Um, uh, I'm not necessarily religious. I'm uh, more of like an energetic spiritualist. (laughs) Um, I I believe in the flow of energies and that um, everything in the universe is all part of itself. Um, like we, we are all stardust beings because we're all made of stardust. Um, I I know that that's probably going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but my personal beliefs, um, I've gone the religious route through multiple denominations over the years, trying to find answers sometimes. And I never felt like comfortable with the stance that a lot of Christian based belief systems, um, stand on. Um, I disagreed with a lot of stuff, um, and not because, Like, I was just like, oh, that sounds fake and stuff because, I mean, it does kind of to me, but also just because I feel like it's been heavily influenced um, by politics and by our male counterparts. I I believe that a lot of it is purposely designed to place men in power and um, make women subordinates. Um, So I I just, I really couldn't get on board with that, even though I tried for many, many years. Um, But really just connecting to earth, connecting to nature and just the universe itself. Um I you are we are such a very small blip on the radar of everything that is, was and will be. And I think in that that really keeps my ego in check and just lets me be like, you know what, this feels like a huge thing, but it really isn't. It really isn't. Like in five years this really matter. Um, I also, one of my other big hobbies is I love going to music festivals. Um, that's probably one of the things that I do most consistently. Um, I love traveling just everywhere, but I love traveling for music festivals and I've met a lot of just beautiful souls at these festivals. And, um, when I'm there, there's this feeling of collective effervescence and it just, It's one of the most unifying things that I've ever been a part of, like how people go to church and they have their hands raised and they're just feeling the spirit of Jesus. Like I kind of like believe that that's my church because that's where I feel connected to other people. We're all there for the same reasons. We're all there enjoying those same moments and we're all sharing that same space and time. And just it meshes with everyone. And I think that for everyone to be on that same positive vibrational frequency in those moments, it's just a very beautiful thing that helps us connect and learn how to not only um, love and respect ourselves, but love and respect other people.
0: What's been your favorite that you've been to?
1: Oh, Lord, like hands down, it's Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas, just because they're it's so big. It's so intricate there's so many people um, and you just, you get to see a little bit of everything. It's very entertaining. Even if you don't like the music, if you were to just go and just sit and people watch, like it's, it's incredible. Um, I've met people at these festivals who live all the way on the other side of the country. I've met people from Vermont, from Illinois, Florida, California and Oklahoma, just uh, Washington state, this everywhere. And, to be able to connect to people and have them message you months later and be like, Hey, I was having dinner with um, the group that we all hung out with and we all did shots for you because we just think you're a beautiful human being. Like that is such a, a rare thing that I believe happens in this world for you to be around somebody for maybe a total of four hours over a collective weekend and yet you're able to make that big of an impact in their lives that they're just like, man, we're, we're going to take some drinks for you because you're amazing. And I have to personally like message you and tell you about this.
0: That's awesome. So do you go by yourself or do you have a group or um, I that goes with you? Or?
1: with that um i mean i think that i'm fun and entertaining and i think that to be very secure in your own world and in your own headspace you have to love and enjoy hanging out with yourself first and foremost because otherwise you're looking for external validations um but uh, i do i have built up a core group of my family i call them family um that will go with me there's probably a solid Six of us that are hardcore into the group and that like to go and travel with each other. Um, and I mean, it's co ed, it's guys and girls. And it's not because like some of us are in a relationship or anything. It's just we all mesh, we all vibe, and we all connect to each other. We understand each other on these deeper emotional and uh, mental levels. And uh, we're we're very, very supportive, even outside of the festival group of everybody's individual lives. And we try and make friendships, not just because like um, I brought this one person in and I'm also friends with this person. So they're friends through me. They actually will. I've seen them build their own friendships outside of which I think is rare and very beautiful. Because I mean, not uh, that that's very rare to be like friends with two different people, bring them around each other, and then they become friends also, and be able to do stuff without you. So
0: yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, often you go, well, I'll go to dinner with these people, but they don't know them. So I'll do them another night. Or if you have a party and everybody comes together, one of the biggest worries is, will they all get along?
1: Yeah, said
0: uh, exactly. that you're exactly right. That's, that's pretty
1: yeah. cool. There, there's been some people that I've like kind of brought in and tested them out and then they just kind of faded into the background and that's okay. But yeah. those, those ones that are like hardcore there, it's, it's definitely a beautiful thing. Um, and we absolutely enjoy traveling with each other. And um, I, it's kind of funny because they're always just like, Destiny, all right, who, who are you going to meet this time? <laughs> And usually that beautiful energy attracts other beautiful energies. And so it's, it's very, very, very nice and very, um, it it makes you feel like you're doing something right in the world.
0: COVID probably had a pretty horrible impact on that.
1: Very depressing. And it felt like it was never going to end and we would never get back to the festivals, but um, it was kind of fun because all the festivals that I had actually already purchased tickets for um, during 2020 they all got pushed to the fall of 2021. So I had stuff in August, September, October, November, end of December. (laughs) So it was just kind of like bam, 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 which was just created this whirlwind, but it was amazing because everybody was so happy to be at the festivals again and to be out. It just
0: like, it feel that happiness. Probably appreciated them even more.
1: Yes. Yes. Mm And then um, I I consider myself very lucky because um, April of last year, the uh, first like big festival back was in Dallas, Texas. It was Abu And I took uh, um, three of my friends out there and we it was the first festival back and we were able to participate in that. We camped out there that weekend and it was it was just amazing. It was it was a great like welcome home.
0: Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. So that's obviously something that um, doesn't necessarily coincide with the jiu-jitsu world. So not at all. Like I said, I can't yeah. um, uh, I
1: I would also say that, like, um, one thing that's really helped me, too, has been some hot Bikram yoga. Um, I've done that. That has done wonders for my um, knee mobility and recovery, um, things like that. It also helps me to just really kind of recenter my mind and things. Um, and then also I, I love doing um, country dancing and I love West Coast swing dance and things like that. So I actually go out and I do those also. And It, it doesn't even connect back to jujitsu. It's just a bunch of different people that I get to meet and be around and different things that I get to learn and experience that bring me joy.
0: So you're definitely a people person.
1: Actually, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing, like all my my two best girlfriends are extroverted and um, love people, and they they love having conversations with people and love talking to them. And I I'm usually the one in the background until I kind of get to know you or um, you kind of give me this vibe that like you're important in in my life. Um, I, I don't like, um, very surface level, superficial interactions. I prefer that very deep, like, let's go to outer space type, type of energy. Um, but I, I definitely kind of, I've learned with being a personal trainer and teaching jujitsu, I learned how to pretend to be
0: extroverted. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> you can fit but the role I,
1: very much, very much an introvert. Um, but I, I don't necessarily love people. I love energies. So if you you give me good energy, I will vibe with you all day long. But if I feel something is off within you, um, I really won't have anything to do with you. Um, I might tolerate your presence, but I don't enjoy it.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's a, that's good to know about yourself, especially if you're going to be an instructor and then, I think on the mat that would make a difference in how you present yourself.
1: Oh, yeah, it it definitely when you're able to feel people's energy and stuff and be sensitive to it, I think that it does kind of help you choose and understand who's going to be around and who's not and who is in it for the right reasons.
0: But do you try to look at a person and figure out why they are like they are or? what they may have experienced or
1: if I care about you um I will um sometimes I will try to do that but usually I'll get too deep and too wrapped up into it so if I don't have like a personal relationship with you um I usually don't try to um I'll I'll kind of feel you out to understand what I need to know and then that's about it but um like my my core group of friends yeah like I will do anything and everything to like try and just figure out what makes them tick, what makes them work, how, how do certain things affect them? And how can I um, avoid the negative things or how can I help them through the negative things in the best way that's good for them and effective for them? Um, But then also what's an effective way to help create joy in their life too.
0: Yeah. Well, um, what would you tell your 16 year old self? about what's coming or what they should think or what she should hold dear?
1: Uh, It's going to be shocking. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very emotionally painful, but without the negative and the bad and the dark, you can't have the positive the good and the light. There has to be that balance throughout life and your joys are going to be just as high as your sadnesses are, are low. Um, that I, I would be able to tell myself that I am intelligent, resilient and um, strong. And no matter what I've gone through in life, I, I will always be able to come out of it and completely reinvent myself and find the joy that I'm searching for right then. Um, from like middle school through majority of high school, I feel like I was um, very much in a depressive state. Um, I was not happy um, with the world around me and the world that I was existing in. Um, I, there, looking back, there was very much a lot of toxicity that I was growing up around. Um, not necessarily, I mean, yeah, i People always say like, oh, other people had it a lot worse than me. But then again, that's me invalidating my own experience. Um, Like I I had my own traumas that I faced and I had to deal with, but I'm going to learn how to deal with it and to be okay with it. And every single time something bad happens, I get smarter and I get better. So um, really, I would just be like, dude, hang in there. Like. I, I, I remember being a teenager and I had to teach myself to find the silver lining in each day, like find one thing that was beautiful and that I thought was just absolute magic. And maybe it was something as simple as the sunset turning the sky pinks and oranges and my favorite colors. Um, and sometimes that was it. And I was like, you know what? There's a silver lining that that's what it is today. That's good. And that kind of helped me get through a lot of stuff. And I've kind of carried that on into adulthood where when I start getting overwhelmed, I'm able to find like that, that tiny, sometimes it's just ironically funny situation. And that's the silver lining. And then sometimes it's like this very peaceful, beautiful thing. And sometimes it's a big thing. Sometimes it's a small thing. So just
0: keep working with it, reinvented get better. So you've reinvented yourself. I believe Sometimes that
1: I, I think over.
0: Yeah, sometimes I think you get more than one chance to do that. Matter of fact, I think every decade you, you have a a, a chance. You have to.
1: I, I kind of I gauge time by four year cycles. Um, that just in my mind, that's how I can like see things and how I measure like the amount of change and growth that I've had and that I've gone through. Um, because every four years, it seems like my life is completely different whether it's for good or for bad, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Well, um, a lot of people get tattoos and they have specific reasons and, and stories that go with them. And I've seen the one on your arm with the, I think it's an arrow. Yes. So does it have a, yeah. It's, so does that have, have a particular a, story?
1: I have a few little phrases tattooed on me. Um, the one over here on my arrow above, it says be wild and free. And then below it, it says not all who wander are lost. So um, because a lot of the times like I, I haven't in my life, I haven't followed like that, uh, that quote unquote normal pathway. Like I'm 33 years old. I've um, never been married. I haven't had any children. I don't work like a corporate nine to five job. Um, and, and I don't own my own house. I rent and I don't really have an ambition to own my own house unless it was for like a financial profit type deal. I would much rather have a tiny house or something like that. Um, uh, and it's just like, I've always felt like I'm more, more of a wanderer than like, say maybe my mom was. My mom's dream was always to have kind of like the steady family in the McMansion. And she ended up getting that. Um, but I, I look at those lifestyles and I'm just like, that's, it's just not for me. And a lot of the times in my head, I'm like, well, since I'm not on that, then there must be something wrong with me. Like I must be doing something wrong or not as effective. Um, and because I'm looking at myself through like the normal perspective and just because I'm different and I'm not normal, that I have to learn that that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Um, I also have, uh, right here on the inside of my forearm, I have, uh, what if I fall over my darling, what if you fly? And that kind of goes back into my, um, my own like voice in my head that tells me I'm going to fail at every new thing, or that it's not worth doing because it's not going to work out. Or, um, I, I'm, I'm about to just take a runny leap off a fucking cliff because I have no choice or because somebody has shoved me off that cliff and I have to learn how to grow. <laughs> wings. And sometimes I don't grow wings. Sometimes I hit that fucking pay dirt and it hurts, but I always get up and I keep going. Um, I also have one more on the side of my foot and it says, um, God dwells in me as me. And that really, um, kind of reminds me this, that like It's not necessarily, in my mind, a hierarchy of something that governs and rules over me and that has dominion over me and ultimately decides my outcome and fate. It's I am part of God and he is part of me or whatever creator thing you want to do. And universe was too long to put on my foot. (laughs) It's just like God dwells in me as me. And it's like if if the perception of creation is like love and everything is a part of everything and it's all meant to flow and be light and you got to have the light with the darkness, like as above, so below, like there's, there's everything that equalizes in life. Like the highest creation is a part of me. I am part of that big bang, that cosmic stardust that happened to just collide correctly and create myself and to create the dinosaur that lived millions of years ago and to create this, like we are all just, (laughs) designed and a part of each other like energy is neither created nor destroyed so like we all have to cycle through something and be transmuted into other forms of energy and matter
0: so it just so you've done a tremendous amount of thinking and inner exploring and
1: I have a Pisces stellium in my inner planets when it comes to astrology, and so yes, I uh, I am very much a deep abstract thinker. So, yeah, uh, I, I I sit in my head a whole lot, and I think about a lot of different concepts. And um, uh, over the last few years, I've really kind of gone inward and tried to look at myself and look at my my perspective of the world and the world around me and how I interact with it and um, how I can be better and make myself better. And it's it's all based in self-work and self-growth and just trying to raise your vibrational frequency so that you match the things that you want to attract. Because there's been a lot of times in my life where I feel like I've been in a negative mind, head, and emotional space. And all I've attracted are other beings that are negative and In that same headspace, and when I haven't been in a place where I've wanted to work on myself and grow, I've also attracted things that don't work on itself and grow. Um, So it's like you—you can't. It's a constant thing. It's never going to be like, oh, well, I'm striving to reach this level, and then I'm secure and I'm okay. It's like no, it's you're going to reach that level, you're going to celebrate, and then you're going to look up and see the next mountain in front of you, and we all got to keep climbing it.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, you're talking about surrounding yourself with people and thoughts and energy. And um, what is it they're talking about at one point, the five people you surround yourself with or who you are, I mean, they basically are your personality. Yeah, Um, I
1: really do believe that the type of people that you surround yourself with, are it's kind of like what you're putting out. So that's what you're bringing in. Um, And I like to surround myself now with people that um, um, sometimes don't even necessarily have the personality that lines up with myself. Um, Because like I said before, sometimes I struggle with like that initiative. I can come up with the plan and the ideas, but sometimes I struggle to like light the fuse. So I like surrounding myself with um, people that are fuse lighters. Um, yeah. they're not necessarily the idea people, but there's like this yin and this yang, that give and take, and that compliment just goes between us. Um, yeah. and so they're the things that, um, I lack that they have are the things that I'm aspiring to and that I'm trying to work on and then vice versa. So I, I kind of like that mutual beneficial relationship where we're not necessarily using each other for things we're learning from each other.
0: Yeah. So kind of the same philosophy you were talking about on the mat, where you know your your partner on the mat, your give and take, strengths, weaknesses. Yep, very growing together.
1: It's like as a while I got armbar all the time, and now I armbar people all the time.
0: All the time.
1: <laughs> yep, so what you sucked? I sucked at and I learned learned it and reviewed it and practiced it and then I got good at it And though I have a fear of ultimate failure, I do believe very much so that you have to fail many times before
0: you're able to be successful. But do you describe them as failures or I've heard some of the um, people that I've interviewed, especially those that are in the competition fighting world, they say that as long as they can look at everything as not necessarily a loss or a fail, but that they've come out of some, they go in learning something. So they come out a success.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, failure is really just a a new learning experience. Um, It really is a kind of a bad negative word, but that's, that's stemming from my own issues, my own fears that I still have to work on. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I'm coaching somebody, I, I encourage them to fail. Um, whenever I take my kids to a competition, um, before they get on the mats, I always tell them, all right, don't, we're not going to half-ass this. You show me full ass or no ass at all. And I love you win or lose. I'm proud of you win or lose. And whenever they get in their heads, they get nervous. I'm like, bro, just, it's just another day at the gym. Like nobody's going home with a scholarship today. Like go out there and show me what we need to practice next week. Um, but it's, it's always easier to to tell other people that is easier said than done. Um, so, and it's one of those like uh, do as I say, not as I do type scenarios. So, um, but I, I think being self-aware of your own insecurities, your own um, shortcomings uh, is, is really the first step. So me being aware that I have that fear of failure gives me the opportunity to build and work on that and make it better. So just like yeah. every other,
0: Well, the fear of failure sometimes, do you think it comes from when, can you remember an incidence where you you failed and so that's kind of burned in your brain or is it just overall?
1: It, it's kind of like a general theme. I I think that our minds sometimes will hyper fixate on the things that we didn't accomplish that we put a lot of um, emotional effort and energy into. Um, And maybe things just didn't work out because they weren't supposed to. Or maybe we just, we never were meant to be proficient at it. Um, So it's kind of a generalized theme. Like there have been a lot of things in my life that I've put everything I've had into. And I've come out successful with it. Um, But then there's also been an equal amount of things in my life that, I've put a lot of emotional time, energy and effort into and like I have worked my ass off. I have dreamed. I have prayed. I have tried to manifest it and it just never fruition. And even like in my dreams, like I'll predict the future in my dreams, like I will see how it's going to play out. And it's my own intuition telling me these things. And I'm just like, no no, I can do this. I got this. This is going to work out because I will it to be so. And the universe is like, no, nah, bitch, no, nah, I've told you this ain't for you.
0: <laughs> and
1: I, it's like, um, like, I'm very, uh, I, I'm very intuitive and I can really, um, predict a lot of things like with my friends and be fairly spot on. And they, they are very open to my advice when I do give it. And usually it's, it's pretty correct. Um, but I, I have that, Issue with myself of taking my own advice and trusting my own gut instincts when it comes to my own decisions and choices sometimes. So, and that that, I think that also kind of feeds into my fear of failure because I'm not trusting myself enough.
0: So, yeah. So, process. Destiny, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of?
1: Um. I think one of my biggest gifts is my ability to adapt to situations good or bad. Um, I want, once I see that I need to adapt, then I'm able to do that fairly well. Um, I may not be happy about it. It may not feel good. It may not bring me joy. It might be bringing me a lot of sadness, but I'm able to do that. Um, And I I don't quit. I don't give up. Um, even sometimes I I keep going past abuse and I keep, I I keep at it. Um, but, and, and that ties into some things that I do also need to continue working on to improve myself. But I do think ultimately my resilience, um, and my, uh, what's the word, um, your tenacity okay tenacity would work tenacity works um my my determination to um just really create the life that i'm i'm i want and the things that i know are are solid and respectable and reasonable to ask for in in my life um i really kind of stick to that i don't i i don't let let those boundaries get crossed um I do have issues with setting boundaries, but the ones that I have, they're, they're hard limits. And I, I've always stuck to those. So, um, there's been a lot of times where I've thought about just going and getting a corporate job just because like, I've been struggling with money in those moments. And I, I'm just like, is it worth feeling like I have sold my soul? (laughs) And it, it, It never is. And I, I stick with what I'm doing and I love it and it's super rewarding. So,
0: yeah. Um, not always easy.
1: Yeah. Not always easy. Um, uh, I I don't know if I have just like a moment that I'm proud of. Um, I I know that I'm very proud of myself for, um, becoming a personal trainer and starting jujitsu and sticking with jujitsu and making that my life when so many people did not support me whenever I first started to do that, when I first started to change my plans and everything. And, uh, like i I am proud of myself for doing that. I moved to Austin uh, in 2011 and I absolutely love it still. It, it was one of the greatest choices for myself that I ever made. Um, I love this city. of course I love traveling and I would potentially live somewhere else, but I think that I would always end up coming back here um just because this it's been a great place it, it's treated me right um and maybe it's the universe like, push me in another direction, like then we could go there. But right now, like, I feel very proud that I have, um, I have created my own unique experience and place in this world that is uniquely mine. That is all for me. Um, And it wasn't influenced by somebody saying, this is what I should be doing. It, It was just because I felt that's what I should be doing, what I knew intuitively. And I listened to that.
0: Not a lot of people can say that. And so that there is definitely some worth and value into listening to yourself. Where do you see yourself heading in the future?
1: Oh, dude, like I wish I had an answer for that. I really do. Like so many people like ask me what my five year plan is. And it's like, dude, I don't know. I never have known. Mm. Um, anytime that I have actually tried to like plan out something like that, like that long term, it, it's it's always changed, just always um, evolved into something completely different. Um, but then again, it, that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, the things that I actually have not. like, Oh, that would be awesome. But that probably won't be for me. Like it, it's ended up happening. And I think that's part of like the joy and the beauty of just being on your own unique journey and accepting that we control our, our lives and our destinies to a certain extent. But then there's also sometimes where we're just meant to be in a place and we're going to end up there no matter what we've done. Um, and even if it's a place that we're not necessarily happy with, there's, there's those joys of that journey to get there, like the people that you've met, the experiences that you've had, those lessons that you've learned, and you have to take that and keep moving forward into that next part of your life. Um, kind of like how I, I measure my life in four-year increments, because things are completely different four years from now. Um, you feel and you think and you're doing things that are different. Some things might, might be the same. I mean, like I've, I've done jujitsu for 12 years, so that's three measurements of time for me. But each each segment of those time capsules has been a different form of jujitsu, a different path, a different mindset, um, a different way of doing it. When I first started, it was about learning. I was very aggressive. It was about processing traumas and anger. And I was just very like err about it. And then I in the next four years I went into teaching that and then that just really helped me find my home and my place in the jujitsu world and uh, start helping people and feeling that fulfillment that I've gotten. Um, And now in the last four years, um, I've dealt with a lot of my own personal injuries that have um, kind of made me have to adapt and change into those situations and um, dive deeper into the instructor realm of things um, since I no longer am a competitor. Um, and, and uh, it, it's just, it, it's all different and yeah, of course, like I've always kind of had the, the, the goal of opening up my own jujitsu gym, but I know that that's not going to happen until I achieve a black belt. And I am in no hurry to do that. Um, I don't think that there should be a timeline of it. it. should be when you're ready and your coaches and your, your own instructors, they'll know when you're ready and they're going to present you with those opportunities, um, and I mean, I, I, when I first started instructing, it was one of those like, Hey, you're going to teach class today, sink or swim. And I'm like, <laughs> I am a one strike. Like They're brown and black belts in this class. Like what the fuck <laughs> And <laughs> literally just had to, to sink or swim. And I had to be on point and it made me pay more attention and more closer attention and really just emulate those of the higher ranks around me and. Um, now it's, it's me not trying to climb that ladder so much, but to help pull up others behind me and to show them the things that I've learned and had to deal with and how they can overcome those obstacles and those, um, uh, how they can learn those things also.
0: That's awesome. That's maturity.
1: Well, I'm getting older, so hopefully that comes. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, it
0: comes, it comes. Um, I meant that as a compliment of the highest. Uh, um, I appreciate it. If you had one superpower and you had it for 24 hours, and you could do anything with it, personally or professionally, what would you do? What would you choose to be your superpower and how would you use it?
1: Oh Lord. Um if I was still six years old, it would be to fly. <laughs> like <laughs> obsessed with that as a child. I was like, I want to fly. But, um, I don't, I don't even know if it would actually be like a superpower. Um, really, I think the thing that I most desire to be able to do that I just can't and I see it as a superpower in other people is art. Like whether it's, it's singing or whether it's, um, painting or drawing, um, especially like, like just Artists that they can create these very intricate, beautiful things that you stare at. And there's so much hidden meaning and complexity in them. It's it's mind boggling. And I feel like uh, one of the cruelest things the universe did was put all this awesome stuff in my head. But I have no ability to, like, get it out and produce it the way that I would want to, because like I can barely draw a stick figure so like um, I I, like I just I marvel at stuff like that. Um, And I'm I I very much like that's one of the things in this world that I'm like, you know what, if I found like a genie in a lamp, like that would be one of my wishes. I, I would wish that I had the ability to be an artist of that level to just sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and draw something out and make it look like a photograph like that's astounding to me. Um, And I've had people that are that talented in my life that I've um, either dated, been friends with or whatever. And it's always been something that's just super fascinating. Even people that are very inclined musically, um, whether they can play an instrument, they can sing. I'm just like, oh, that that's amazing. Um, Because I have played a few instruments like I had to growing up coming through school, but I was never like great at it. But um, the people that were like always had my attention. Um, Yeah that would that would probably be it and maybe that's why I like jiu-jitsu because maybe in my own mind that's my own expression of art
0: so I hear you I I believe it is um there is an art to it and you have to have those um specific skills committed to your mind before you can actually (laughs) produce but but I'm with you on the the visual art I think sometimes it's if you have something you can show somebody or do, it, it's so much easier to communicate that than, than if you can't. I mean, if it's just in your head. So yeah. I'm with you on that. That would be a good 24 hours spent. Yeah. Um, so how do people get in touch or follow you, watch what you're doing, or if they wanted to um, look at you as personal training?
1: Um, I mean, really, the best way to follow me is probably through Instagram at Destiny Word. Um, you just got to get the spelling of my name, right? D-E-S-T-I-N-E-Y-W-O-R-D. Um, and that that's really the easiest way to, like, get a hold of me. Um, just slide in the DMs and, uh, yeah, just follow me and stuff. There's always um, jujitsu links and videos that I'm posting. Um, I'm trying to also get a little bit more, um, involved with producing, uh, instructional videos and things like that. So that's also going to be kind of on the horizon here pretty soon. Private training sessions, um, or interested in even doing jiu-jitsu, um, dude, hit up 10th Planet ATX, like go sign up and I'm there Monday through Friday.
0: Destiny, thank you. It's been fabulous.
1: Yes, thank you.